pip cheerio, my dear. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Bonjour, mon ami. Salut de la belle Paris. Aujourd'hui, sur la podcast de Bienvenue, nous parlons de voyage. Hello, my dear friend. Greetings from beautiful Paris. Today on the You're Welcome podcast, we are talking about travel. So I recorded this episode before I left, and I hope that you are enjoying following along over on Instagram while we are in Paris for two weeks and then the south of France for 10 days. And I felt it was appropriate that if my travel is inspiring you to daydream about travel of your own, then we would talk about how you can practically do that. So I asked you on Instagram, what are your travel questions? And basically, you came back with six topics in two different areas. So we are doing our first ever two-part podcast series this week and next week. So this week is the more energetic part of travel. We're going to talk about my philosophy on the three ways to travel so you are not disappointed when not trying to copy someone else's travel itinerary and finding it doesn't work for you and learn which friends you travel well with or if you and your partner are the same or different in your desires. It will help you in so many ways. I'm also going to share advice around how to discover where to go and what to do while there, how to actually be happy wherever you are, the pros and cons of spontaneity, how or whether to do solo travel, traveling alone. We've got a lot of questions about that. And making intentional choices about social media while traveling. So this week is the more energetic. And next week, we're going to talk about more of the logistics. Far and away, the most requested topics were how to balance travel and work, take breaks as an entrepreneur, how much to work while away or how to not have to work, and money. What to spend versus splurge on, how to save up, and then finally, what to pack and what to wear. So let's begin with my philosophy on the three ways to travel. Be, do, and have. I wrote a blog post on this, which I'll link below if you swipe up to read later or share with a friend. But I believe there are three different ways that it is so helpful to consider which of these ways is my philosophy of travel? What about my partner, my friend, my family, whoever it is that I'm going to be with? And does this help us to better understand the way we want to curate an itinerary rather than just copying what we see from someone else and then finding out it actually isn't what lights us up and makes us happy? First off is do. If you are driven by the do philosophy of travel, you want to go and do things when you are in that city. You want to see the museums, visit the historical sites, This is how my dad travels. Um, He is really into history. And so when he comes to New York, they were planning a trip here. He doesn't want to go see the Empire State Building, but the little island where the children's hymn, Jesus Loved Me, was written because he's a hymn historian. So you you will take the hour-long train to get out to that historical site. You will wait the 30 minutes to get into a museum. That doesn't feel like a waste of time to you. You aren't like, oh, we really shouldn't be waiting in this line. We should be you know, experiencing something else. Like, no, no, doing the thing, going to the museum, that's the number one thing. So if we need to be patient while we wait in line, no worries. That time is worth it to you because you want to see the thing. You want to check it off your list that you have seen Versailles outside of Paris or all of the incredible museums. I have taken Jeremy to Paris twice. He's only been for a weekend each of those times so far. So we haven't had a lot of time, but he's never seen a museum. And I love the museums in Paris. They are my favorite in the world. But I was there for three weeks alone last summer, and I never went. 
because do is simply not my primary philosophy when I approach travel. The second perspective is have. If you are most motivated by having, you want to have the best food, the coolest cocktail, the greatest shopping. You want to know the hippest, best things right now. You want to get the inside scoop of in 2019, where should you be going? What should you be doing? My brother-in-law is a foodie. And when he and my sister went to Greece for their 10-year wedding anniversary, he'd researched every single meal. Their whole itinerary was planned out around the places that they wanted to eat at. And they felt like they didn't miss a beat. Everywhere they went was so delicious because that was really a priority to them and they'd researched it. When just a couple months later, we went there for our honeymoon after our elopement, we ate every meal but one at our resort. (laughs) And the food wasn't particularly great. I was kind of bored by it by the end. I wasn't that into it. But having the delicious food or the most creative cocktail or going to some ranked place is not my priority. So that wasn't the way we spent our trip. For Jeremy and I, our philosophy is much more the third one, which is B. If you're inspired by this perspective, it's all about the energy or the vibe, just getting the essence of a place, just breathing it in. Uh, Jeremy just discovered recently that Google Maps, when you go to look up places, because we're forever finding new restaurants and brunch places to eat at in um, New York, and they added a tab that says vibe under photos. And I was like, the internet finally gets me. The number of times I go to a restaurant website and I'm trying to look at it and there's just photos of the food. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not here for for the have. I'm I, I don't care what the food looks like. I want to know what the vibe of the restaurant is. I want to know what the energy is. What's the view like? How's the light? Like, I'm here for the bee. So for us, when we go to Paris, we just wander. We sit on the Seine with a picnic from the corner market. Rather than going to the museum or the fancy restaurant, we just sit on a picnic blanket. And so when people ask me, you know, where's all the best places to go in Paris? Or you've lived in New York City for forever. Tell me where to go. Guys, never DM me that. I am the worst (laughs) because all I want to do is hang out. My favorite place in all of New York City is on my balcony, (laughs) just looking over the, the river and seeing the sunset over Manhattan and listening to the jazz player outside my window and all of that. Like, it's just the energy is what brings me so much joy. I adore New York because of a vibe that I can't put into words. I think this is so important to know which of these uh, philosophies describes you because it allows you to not be disappointed. You can craft the trip that you want when you know these things are are important to you. If, if you are a do or a have person, you don't want to copy my itinerary. If you swipe up, I've got a blog post on my guide to Paris – you don't necessarily want to follow that if you're like, oh, she doesn't really have a ton of specifics in here. It's sort of like, here's a, here's how I wander the city. Here's a direction that I head every day and what kinds of things are there. You could be really bummed out if you're like, she's a personal stylist. I thought she was going to have all the shopping insights. I really wanted to go to the coolest stores and come home with all these new clothes. And you don't realize that that's just not the way that I travel. Um, and I think this is so helpful to learn the friends or the family that you travel well with or less well with. One of my dear friends, Monica, is always traveling. And for the longest time, I was like, man, I wish we could travel together. We both so prioritize this. How can we just never get on the same page, do it at the same time? But then I realized, I think we would hate traveling together as much, not because we wouldn't get along, but because 
we are totally different personalities. Where I'm a B, she is absolutely a do. She will she would rather get to, you know, four cities in a day to say she's been at all of them. And I would rather sit in one city for four days and just like wander around and get to get my bearings, not get lost. Know that if somebody else goes back there, I could describe to you exactly the corner where the good gelato place is, where she would rather say, yes, I've been at this place, this place, this place, and this place. When we were in Spain last summer for a wedding, we're in a new city that we've never been to, don't have a ton of time to explore. And my other friend, Jade, and I were laughing about how we were so perfectly suited because we just went to a beach club. And we were like, I'm sure there's lots of historical things we're supposed to be seeing in this city, but we were living our best lives just having a cocktail on a lounge chair and just being like, oh, this is magical. So if you or your partner are the same Um, That's amazing, obviously. But if you're different, I would say this is family, friends, anyone that you're traveling with, then trade off, you know, say we'll do what you want to do this day, what I want to do this day um, and kind of go back and forth throughout. But again, this helps as well that you're not as frustrated and resentful because you're not both trying to fight for opposing things on the same day. You can say, I'm not really a have person, but I know that my husband is and he really is a foodie. So, yes, we're going to go to you know, we're going to curate our day this day around making sure that we get to this restaurant. Or I just know that if we can go to three really great high-ranked restaurants on our trip, he's going to be happy because that's what he wants to come home and talk about. Those were going to be his favorite moments. And then he's going to be more okay now that I have the language to describe that I know it doesn't seem productive to him, but I'm a B person. I just want to sit with a book in the Jardin du Luxembourg and just take it all in. And then that allows him to be more understanding, to feel like, oh, this actually is your philosophy. This is what you're getting out of it. And we can compromise in that way. All right. So now that you know your priorities while traveling, how do you find them? Lana had asked, how do you find rich cultural experiences outside of major tourist spots? Personally, as long as I know what neighborhood to go to, I just wander. I have, however, had travel regrets when I didn't know that about a city. I've been to Montreal before and Amsterdam, and both times I ended up feeling like I didn't really know the right place to just hang. I, I wasn't quite sure where to wander. I wished that I had done more research ahead of time to kind of know where exactly would I go hang out. If you came to New York... Absolutely. You wouldn't want to just show up in Brooklyn and be like, well, all of Brooklyn is cool to just hang in, right? No, you'd want to specifically know, okay, this is a subway stop I should get off at. Here's one specific restaurant to go to, or there's a couple cool shops here. I know a general area. And then around there, I can assume that there's going to be other things that I'm going to find. But I would also look at travel guides that you can simply Google and find that, like, what to do in Amsterdam. Find some cool blogger that has written all about it so that you can figure those things out. Um, Find uh, maps of cool areas, something like maybe Goop or the Time Out New York has something of hippest neighborhoods or best shopping or the Brooklyn of fill in the blank is one of my personal favorites. So then for me as a bee, I at least know the area to head to and wander because yes, I'm happy wandering, but I don't want to just be wandering some random suburban street, you know. I still kind of want to know where to go. So I think for all of us, it is doing a little bit of that research ahead of time. 
But it could be either finding one specific thing that you're going to head to and then trusting that there's going to be other things around that. Amanda had asked, how do you decide where to go and when? This was such a great question, and it made me realize how much I use Instagram as my inspiration. So I have a saved folder on Instagram anytime that I have multiple of them, actually. Anytime I see someplace that I would love to go to, I will save it in that folder. And I will have a um, South of France spots. If there are multiple bloggers I follow that are in the South of France at different points, and I will save what are the restaurants that they're tagging or the hotels that they're staying at so that then when I go to plan that, I've taken things that have already piqued my interest. I already have thought, oh, that looks beautiful. Oh, that looks lovely. I wish I was there. I wish I could go there. And then I can actually go through and use those. I also use Instagram in terms of searching a location. So when we were trying to figure out where to go in the south of France for this trip, I did some Googling and was looking up, you know, best day trips from certain bigger cities that we were going to be in. And then I would go onto Instagram and look up that city and see the photos um, of other people that had taken there and see if I could kind of get a, a feel and a vibe from there. What was it that people were photographing in that city? And off of that, did it make me think, yeah, I think that's some place that we'd like to you know, stop and, and spend some time. Um, pay attention to people you follow on Instagram who have pinned stories with a bunch of tagged places. So I'm going to be I'm doing this this time while we're in France, going through and tagging if there was a restaurant or a shop or something like that that we were in, so that then you can go back to my Paris tagged stories and tap on all of those things and start to kind of get a map for, oh, that place looked cool that she went. Let me put a pin in that and know that I can go back. Uh, Jeremy and I watch a lot of YouTube videos. We uh, went to South America last two summers ago, um, and we were trying to figure that out and, and where we could go. It really was a like, we could go anywhere in the world. Where do we want to go for our first like full trip as a couple? And we looked at, watched a lot of YouTube videos of other travel bloggers to get a feel for, oh, that place looks cool. We think we'd want to go there. Um, and as I just mentioned, also Google day trips, um, you know, or day trips from this place, day trips from New York City, day trips from London, or uh, best places for families outside of London, or um, best places to travel uh, in around London in the spring, like whatever it is that you are looking for, turn to the Google, YouTube, Instagram, and take advantage of how many other people have um, traveled that we have access to, which is amazing. Uh, Lisa said, how do you figure out where you want to go? The world is really big. And Lauren said, I'm overwhelmed trying to work out what to see and do when I'm there. I have FOMO with limited time and money. So I wanted to touch on this because I think it is so hard not to have a scarcity mindset. And that's really what's coming up here. Lisa's saying, I can't pick a place because there's so many. And Lauren's saying, I just, I have such FOMO while I'm there. I'm afraid I'm going to pick the wrong thing. I totally empathize with this. I remember talking about it three years ago when I was on my sabbatical. I was in Marseille, France, and I was filming a Snapchat on our balcony talking about this, that I realized how intense travel FOMO is because you have a sense of maybe I will never be back here, not just like, am I what do I want to do this weekend? When you're at home, you might have FOMO of like, ah, oh, do I want to rest? Do I want to go to my friend's party? Do I want to go to the beach or do I want to stay home and clean? But this is even heightened because you're like, it's not just this weekend. What if I never come back here? What if it's, you know, there is this pressure 
of this might be my only chance. I try to start that with gratitude, appreciating what is, coming back to instead of coming from that scarcity, okay, but I'm so grateful that I get to be here. Whatever I get to see, it's going to be amazing. Whatever experiences I have are experiences that a lot of people don't get to have. Second is priorities, knowing what it is that matters to you most. I may have shared this story that when we were on our honeymoon in Mexico uh, this winter, we were going to swim with dolphins. That was one of the plans. And um, there was a whole debacle and it became a long thing. And ultimately, we had to decide, did I want to swim with dolphins on the final day or did I want to rest? Because resting was what the plan was for the day. The dolphin thing kind of got added on because like it was there. It was free. Why not? It's a bucket list item. How cool, right? But I had to choose between do I want to rest or do I want to tell a cool story, even when the cool story is becoming more time intensive than I thought it was going to be? And it's okay if your answer is that you want to tell the cool story. Then you're back to you are the do person. You want to say, I've swam with dolphins. Check. That's I'm, I'm not chastising you for being like, you just want a cool story. You just want to Instagram it. That's amazing. But I know that ultimately I am a B person. And it would be fun to check off the dolphin thing. But I decided I would rather just have a restful final day, come back more rested, go into work more rested, all of that. I also try to focus on abundance. So I visited Puerto Rico uh, eight years ago when I was first starting with my business. It was the first time I'd ever been to the Caribbean. And I I think I felt really sad leaving because I was like overwhelmed in my business and it was just so magical and glorious there. And I didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't take trips like that all the time. So I was remember telling myself that I would come back to the Caribbean all the time. Like this is so close to New York. It's a nonstop flight. You're going to come back here plenty of other times. Don't stress about it. I remember buying a postcard that had all of the Caribbean islands and I was like, Maybe I'm going to come make it a goal that I visit every island in the Caribbean. Yeah, I haven't been back to the Caribbean once in the last eight years, uh, and I've been totally fine. But coming from that abundance mindset really helped me in the moment to not be sad at what I was leaving or not getting or missing out on. And also remind ourselves that we will have new dreams. I find that it feels most intense when we're there, like oh, I I really need to do all the things at Marseille while we're here. Full disclosure, it's never occurred to me since then anything that I have not done in Marseille. Like I said, I've never been back to the Caribbean. But at the moment, I think it can feel so intense. We're there and it's so beautiful and it's so magical and we don't want it to be over and we don't want it to do it wrong. And it took us so much money and we don't know when we can travel again and all these things. But remind yourself that it's most intense in the moment and it's going to pass And you're going to have a new dream that in this moment, what I'm doing in Marseille or the Caribbean or swimming with the dolphins feels so important. But actually, you know, seven days from now, you're going to be on Instagram, see a new place in the world to go visit, and you're going to be off and running with a new dream. You aren't going to be stuck in the regret of what you didn't do there unless you allow yourself to. And then after, focus on the joy. Print photos. This is something that uh, I was in a big push doing in our apartment because I just realized that I hadn't done it. But reminisce about stories. Like talk about those the times when those things happen. Tell them to other people. Talk about them with the people you were there with. Keep enjoying what did happen. Don't rush on to the next thing or 
focus on what you missed out on. Just lean in even more to the joy that you can get out of that experience. We choose our thoughts, which affects our feelings. So choose to think thoughts about joy, beauty, abundance, gratitude, enoughness. And if that doesn't feel easy, just recognize that it is a choice and thus something that you can work on and grow in. If you're like, that, sound, that sounds easy, but I don't feel like it is. Yeah, changing our, th- our feelings and our thoughts isn't easy, but it, it is possible and it is a choice we can make. So if you're like, man, I realize as she's talking that I am really scarcity-minded, no worries. That is something that you can work on. Sutton asked, what do you plan in advance and what do you leave to see how I'll feel on the day? This goes back again to your personality, whether it's one of those three ways you travel or something like in Myers-Briggs, which is a personality assessment. Two of the letters are a J or a P. A J likes more structure. A P likes more spaciousness. I think this, again, can be very helpful to know if you are traveling with someone else and finding that you don't have this in common instead of just being frustrated with each other. You can understand, oh, you might be a J. You really like structure and a schedule and to know exactly what's happening. And I, Hillary, am a P. I like the spaciousness. I want to be inspired by how I feel and what I feel like ultimately doing that day. So for me, I like to know where I'm going to sleep. That part is super important to me. I like to be settled and anchored in my foundation. And then I can let the day unfold and be a lot more free and lackadaisical during the day. So I also like to identify a couple things that I know I want to do. So when we were in Greece for our honeymoon, we knew we wanted to go explore the town one day. So we didn't leave that till the last day. We went ahead and did that on maybe the second day or something. So we made sure that it happened. And then it was okay to just lay by the pool for most of the other days because we weren't feeling guilty, that weren't feeling frustrated that we hadn't gotten something done, and we also weren't leaving it until the last minute. So Find the couple of things, prioritize them, and then create space around it would be my advice. And Joanna said, what are some of your favorite places or experiences you've had while traveling? So as much as I want to know where I'm sleeping, I was traveling three summers ago with someone who didn't, and they loved spontaneity even more than I did. So as I've mentioned here, we compromised. And decided that we, I looked up on Airbnb and saw that there was plenty of different places to stay on this route that we were going to drive. And I was like, okay, then let's just drive. And when we find a place that we want to stop at, we'll pick an Airbnb. So our first day was off to a great start. And um, we found the lavender fields in um, in Provence and the sunflower fields. And it was just magical. And then we were like, okay, we should probably start to find a place to uh, to check in tonight. And I went on the app and there was nothing. Now, in hindsight, I'm guessing there, there probably has to be a cutoff, right? Like you can't say that you have an instant book place and then somebody's just going to show up at 11 o'clock at night if you actually have to let them in or whatever. So my theory is that's what happened. We waited so long that those places got shut off and weren't available to the next day. So I start to panic because I am someone that where I sleep is very important to me. And we drive past this hotel. Uh, It says hotel on the outside. And I think like, should we maybe stop in there? But we keep, I don't speak up. We keep going. Then we get lost. We have to turn around. We end up passing a hotel again. And I'm like, I wonder if we should go in and just see if they have any rooms. Like we don't have a lot of money. So we're not sure how expensive this place would be. It looks pretty nice from the outside, but we're also in the middle of nowhere. So who knows? So um, he goes inside. I stay in the car. I'm looking up on like booking.com or whatever. I'm about to get us someplace. 
if he's been gone for a while, I realize I'm just about to book it. And he comes back and is like, they don't have any rooms here, but she's going to call her friend who might. And I made friends. So we're going to come in and have drinks. Now, guys, something you should know about me is I don't really like new people. (laughs) I don't I just don't like small talk. I just loathe small talk. I haven't described what I do because it never makes sense to anyone. And I just would rather like quietly sit and listen to a podcast by myself (laughs) than have to go through that. But back to compromise. This friend loved that. And I knew that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to support him. And this is what he wants to do. Go in. Guys, this place is magical. It's a four-bedroom hotel. We're invited out back to the garden. There's a couple there from Australia who are in fashion. They're thebomb.com. This hotel is run by Geraldine, who was their neighbor back in Australia. And so Orlando and Nicolette come and visit her every summer because Nicolette's family lives in the town nearby. And it's Orlando's birthday. So would we like gin and tonics? And they have this whole charcuterie spread. And you guys know how I feel about a charcuterie spread. It was just magical. I adored these people. There was a dog. So uh, Geraldine says, um, I, she's like, finally, I hear back from, she's heard back from her friend that her friend has a place that we can stay. And Nicolette says, my sister stayed there. It was amazing. You guys totally have to stay there. So we're like, okay. So Geraldine draws on a napkin how to get throughout the town. Like, you'll turn here and you'll turn here. There's no street signs, anything. We're like, Ugh. So magically, like, by the grace of God, we are able to use this napkin to get to this home. A gate opens, a giant gate, as soon as we pull up. We can't even see anyone. So we're like, how is this happening? The, it's backlit because it's sunset. So there's just the dark shadow of a woman, but we can't see anything as we're driving up. And my friend says, you know, this is how people die in horror movies. <laughs> Like, great, great. We're after a great start. What we stumble upon is the most magical little chateau in Provence. Blue shutters, uh, stone two-story house, ivy cascading everywhere, giant tree with a tree swing and couches out under it and a pool and a little freshwater spring. And she is French and magical and shows us up to her one guest room, which is lovely. And within 15 minutes, we're in the pool. She's bringing us snacks and drinks. And we're just like, how how did this happen that we just like found this magical French mom who is amazing? So we're just going to stay one night. But then her husband shows up the next day. And John Paul is magical. He's like, the chic, sexy French man who speaks a little English. Um, sorry for my really bad French being speaking English accent. Um, and he's like, oh, you must stay for another night. I will take you up to the lavender fields. We'll, all these things. Long story short, y'all, we were supposed to stay for a night. We stayed for a week. We moved from their one Airbnb room to a little house they had down the road that we didn't even know about to then their their friends and family room that they don't rent out to other people because they shares a a bathroom with their daughter. We loved it. If you were one of the 500 people that was following me on Snapchat during that summer, you, I I still hear from you to this day that you remember it. Um, I'm actually taking Jeremy back there this summer so you can follow along um, because it was one of those places, as I said earlier, I left promising myself that I would return and it's, the place that I'm actually following through with that. And it was so special to me that I wanted to take Jeremy back. So it's now like a a memory for us, even though that whole week won't be there for him, he'll be able to picture it and and know who I'm talking about. And there was a lot of things about that that were really formative to um, 
to different things for me. But that's to say that spontaneity led to one of my best travel stories ever. But it requires a piece that it also could have been awful. We could have ended up sleeping in our car. We could have ended up someplace sketchy. Like, you just don't know. So it's high risk, high reward. And I think that a lot of the magical travel stories can come from those moments where something bad happened, but you rebounded or you left the door open and something unexpected happened. And yet also know that the majority of the time, I want to know where I'm sleeping. (laughs) So one question that I got in a lot of different forums was this. Do you ever travel solo, Kate? uh, Any tips or advice for that? How do you travel solo with confidence? Deanna said tips for traveling safe solo. Any places to visit when you're traveling solo? I have traveled solo a lot to London, France, Mexico. I left for my sabbatical, which I ended up um, being on for four months alone. I did end up crossing with a friend unexpectedly where we would spend a few weeks together and then I'd do a week alone a few weeks together. I do a month alone. We do a few weeks together. Um, I moved to New York alone right out of college. So I also am probably biased that I feel there are a lot of misconceptions about travel. Um, A lot of people that would find New York terrifying. And because I moved here so young and I know that like it's the same as London or Paris or any place else. I remember when uh, when we got engaged and then we were going to Paris, my mom was like, are you going to not take your ring with you? I'm like, well, I hang out in the same places in Paris that I would in New York. So I mean, I would have to just literally never leave the house with it. Like, I'm not going to dark remote bars by myself. I'm not walking through gang-ridden slums. It has the same safety level as here. And I do the same safety checks. Uh, Yes, I check my Uber's license plate to make sure that I'm not getting an unmarked car. I make sure that—I don't mean to freak people out with these things, but I just am conscious of things. Like, I make sure no one is behind me when I'm going into an Airbnb, but I would do the— the same thing if I was here in New York and I wasn't in a doorman building, I would just be conscious of somebody walking in behind me that I don't know. Um, I both stay when I travel and live in New York in more populated areas that are better lit, that are not far from a subway, um, which, again, just by finding out, like, what are the cool neighborhoods, where, where are cool restaurants and shopping and all of that, you'll figure out where those more populated places are. However, I was advised not to go to Morocco alone. When I was on sabbatical, that's one of the places I was thinking of going to. And some people might disagree with that. But a guy friend just said, he was like, ah, some girls from my graduate program went there and they just, they didn't feel the most comfortable. And they, they was just girls, but it was a group of girls together. So know that there are going to be places like that. And I, and respect that. But um, I've been to a resort in Mexico by myself. Would I have walked into the local neighborhoods by myself? No. I have done that when I was with Jeremy, but I would stay at the resort during the day and go to the busier tourist parts during the day in the sunlight with total confidence. Um, Brazil, where we traveled in South America, is known for its theft, and we were stolen from. Um, A photographer that I shot with there who was a local agreed it is really known um, for its theft, and it's not very safe in that way. But there are much less places like that. Most places that you tell me you want to go on Instagram, that's not true of. Most of the places you guys aren't like, I want to go to the back bush of something, something. You're like, I want to go to Paris. You can go to Paris by yourself and London and a resort in Mexico and a resort in the Caribbean and so many places. 
And personally, I love traveling solo. It is not for everyone. My friend Brian did it um, in Paris last summer before we were all meeting up in Spain for a wedding, and he hated it. He's like, so many people have told me it's so great to travel alone. He hated it. He would much rather be with, with people. My friend Jabri meets new people everywhere he goes. So he could be a total, he could be a solo traveler, and he's making friends left and right, finding people to go hang out with. For me, I really love the introverted nature of it. I love the freedom that it's so quiet. I don't have to talk to anyone. I don't have to explain myself. I get a ton of reading done. I listen to podcasts or audiobooks everywhere I walk. I consume so much content when I'm traveling by myself. Um, I get really organized, like my computer and my phone, you know, like that's nerdy of me. But sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm out of the office. I don't have responsibilities. Um, I, I'm not being distracted by other things. For me, I can find it really energizing. But I would say if you haven't done it before and you're unsure, try it with a smaller, more weekend local trip to see what it's like first. Don't save up all your money and get to Paris for a week and then find out that you're miserable. And go to places that are easier, like a beach resort town, London or Australia where they speak English. Though I've had very little trouble finding people who speak English in France or Italy or Brazil, or Cartagena. I have been plenty of places on multiple continents not speaking the language and done just fine. One final topic when it comes to the energy of or energy while traveling is how much we use social media. Queen had asked whether to continue Instagram posts. It's easy to maintain on holiday, but I know I'm less present. And Rachel said, as a business owner, how do you balance enjoying travel and promoting it on social media. So this was only asked by entrepreneurs, but I think this topic actually applies to everyone. And we should all really consider before we travel how often you want to post, how much to be on your phone. What is your reason for posting? And what is it that brings you joy? Are you wanting to show off where you're at to look cool? Again, judgment-free zone. That, I'm not saying that that's bad. It can up your joy to celebrate that you are here. It could bring you joy to share it with others. Or it could just be a habit, an instinct, what culture tells us to do. And you could decide it would actually bring you more joy to just be in the present moment, to soak up every moment, not have your camera phone out. Just look at the sunset with your own eyes instead of miss it trying to capture it. Really pay attention to the time before a trip. Pay attention to the time you really spend on social media because it's not its not just taking a photo. Sometimes it is taking multiple photos to get the right shot. Sometimes it's not just one video. It's multiple videos to get the right one. You realize you could have done it better. And then are you then editing the photos and posting them? Are you sitting at the coffee shop? Are you lying in bed at night editing, posting, um, you know, replying to comments? Does it take you, you know, 10 minutes once you take a photo to just sit silently at the coffee shop and not talk to your husband anymore while you're doing this? Or are you just like a snap and share it right away, zero fuss kind of person? Genuinely, zero judgment because I do both at different times. Just make sure that you're checking in. You don't have your phone out just on autopilot and you're being very conscious of how much actual time you're spending capturing, then editing, then posting, then engaging and replying to comments which are all moments or hours that you aren't simply being present and enjoying the unique place that you're at. And the reason that I say all of this is because it can take a lot of time to post. Some people just, you know, throw it up, no worries. But for me, if you watch my posts and my stories, they take time. And I remember three years ago on sabbatical when I was traveling with that friend, 
them really pointing out, like, I don't think you realize how how long you go silent for as suddenly we're walking and you're trying to, like, you know, finish getting these stories up. Now, if you're a fellow entrepreneur, there is an added layer to this because it is content for you. But to balance this, I've become more aware of whether something is really good content. Like, is this going to be one of the best stories of the day rather than just constantly capturing content all the time? And also trying to notice when is it the kind of stuff that I'm not going to post or when am I going to set aside time that I'm not going to post? You know what? I actually already um, photographed this garden the other day, so I, I don't need to do it again today. I can just go and be present or, you know, I shot all of that stuff this morning. I, I don't need to do some do something for the rest of the day. I'm just going to choose to put my phone away. And traveling with Jeremy, we w- will talk about this in advance. For some parts of our trip, we did lay out because we also wanted to do more photo and video shoots when that would be so that we made sure we were just totally present sometimes, not missing the moment to film it, but that we also didn't get frustrated feeling like, ah, we were so enjoying it and now we regret that we didn't get this. We thought we were going to. So we want to be intentional about finding that balance and then also be intentional about creating content just for us. The photo to print on our dresser of the two of us that is not just the pretty outfit photo of me on Instagram or not necessarily the perfect lighting, but it's just the photo that captures the moment for us and remembering not all of our photos in this day and age have to be shared. So speaking of, let's pretend I just recorded this live from our charming little Airbnb while looking out over the rooftops of Paris from our balcony. So come follow along on Instagram in my feed and stories to see what we are really up to over there. And then swipe up into the episode description to read my Guide to Paris blog post. And remember, we have more goodness on travel in next week's episode, specifically for entrepreneurs on how to balance work and travel and all of us when it comes to how to make it happen financially and what to pack and wear from moi, your personal stylist. I will see you then avec grâce et gumption with grace and gumption. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is monk fruit sweetener. So random, but my functional medicine doctor recommended this to me months ago as an alternative to sugar in my coffee or tea. He said that monk fruit or stevia are the best natural sugar substitutes. So I read some reviews. People said stevia had an aftertaste. So I bought this little bottle of monk fruit, which lives in my purse full time. It still is so full because just one drop is totally enough. I'll put the link below the specific one I bought. But if you have any other clean eating hacks, I would so genuinely appreciate them. If you'll come pop them in the comments below my latest Instagram post, whatever it is, as I always read those. And whatever you are drinking today, I hope life is so sweet you don't even need extra sugar on your taste buds. Till next Wednesday.